Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks... I thought that it would be good for us to begin the process of working through the Gospel of Matthew, because there's so much in Matthew, so much of his teaching, so much about the life of Jesus, because Matthew presents Jesus to us as the great king. And so I thought, why don't we get to know the great king? So what we're going to do is, folks, we're going to start actually in chapter 3 with the beginning of his ministry and work our way through the gospel and learn some things. So today, we're going to be on a journey. We're going to start a journey about knowing Christ and about understanding who he is. Because I think for so many of us, even if we're saved, we'd have to say that we don't really know Jesus. We don't really know what he taught us. We don't really know what he wants from us. Do you understand what I'm saying? You you say you love him, but... You know, the more you get to know him, I think your love will increase. Do, do you know, understand what I'm saying? The more you get to know a person, your love increases for them. And I think as we, the more we get to know our Savior, the more we realize the love that we have for him when we realize what he's done for us. But what we're going to do is today, we're going to look at the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 3 and look at... John the Baptist's ministry, because John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was to announce the coming of the kingdom and the coming of Christ, the Messiah, as Isaiah had predicted. But the reality is, as I want you to see, is, is that you're going to see that there are people who are curious about John's message. And so they'll come from all over to hear him, and those are seekers. Do you know, do you understand, you ever heard the term seeker before? Seeker is somebody who is wanting to have information about God. Now the problem is, is what we're going to see is, is that there's two types of seekers. There's two types of people who are seeking. There's true seekers, we're going to talk about what that means today, from this passage, and then we're going to see false seekers. Because they're motivated by something else. And so as we look at this, I want us to examine our lives, because you're here today for a reason. You didn't just come in here by happenstance. You're here today because God brought you here, but you are motivated by something. You're motivated either because you truly are seeking after God, or you're motivated by something else, and only you know what that is. But God knows what that is. So we're going to look at that today as we look at the passage together. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12 together. Matthew writes, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem... All Judea and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, 
Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Folks, what we're going to do here is we're going to divide this passage into three sections here. We're going to see the true seekers. See that in verses 5 and 6. Then we're going to see the false seekers, because there's some others who are coming out to hear what John's saying. They're coming out for curiosity, but they're not truly seeking. We're going to see why that's true. We're going to see that in verses 7 to 9. And then we're going to see what John has to say about all of them in general. He's going to talk about the harvest. He uses a couple of farming uh, illustrations here to talk about the harvest, the day of judgment that's coming. And we're going to see how that relates here to this passage and how that relates to you and I. So let's look at this together. First of all, verse 5 and 6, we're going to see about true seekers. So here's John. He starts his ministry. He's probably your man's man. Do you know what I mean? He's probably the guy you would look at and say, well, that's a man. Why? Because he's dressed in camel hair. What does that mean? He's dressed in the skin of a camel. He's got a leather belt around his base. And here's what is, he's not eating cheeseburgers, folks. He's eating locusts and honey. That's his diet. He's a man's man, a man of the wilderness, but he's a man of God, a prophet, coming to proclaim, coming to prepare the people for the reality of the Messiah coming, for Jesus coming. And people are interested. People want to know what he's got to say. Because he's proclaiming that the kingdom is at hand. And let me just stop for a moment. Why would they be so interested? Well, the Jews, even at this time, were waiting for who to come? The Messiah. And especially because they're living under Roman oppression. And so anyone showing up with a message and a word about, get ready, he's coming, that's going to create a stir. That's going to create people wanting to know what's going on. And so they gather. Because he's out baptizing by the Jordan River. And so we see two groups. The first group we see in verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Here's what I want you to see about the first group, the true seekers. They'll do what it takes to find him. They'll do what it takes to find him. Folks, I want you to understand, when it says that he's by the Jordan River, now, if you look at the tip, if you look at a map of Israel, you would say, well, that's not too far from Jerusalem. That, that, that's not, you know, in the region around, that's, these folks aren't traveling that far. Well, yeah, if you look at it from a modern perspective and you're driving your Chevy or your Dodge to a place, you would say that's not very far. But the reality is, listen to me, the reality is, is these folks are walking. So 12 miles, 20 miles, that's a fair distance, wouldn't you say? And it's not necessarily safe to travel, but the fact of the matter is, is they've heard that there is a man of God and that he's telling them about the kingdom and they want to know. So they'll do what it takes, listen to me, they'll do what it takes to find out because they want to know. 
That's what a true seeker is. A true seeker is seeking after God. A true seeker wants to hear from God in their life. A true seeker wants the Lord. And they'll do what it takes to follow after Him. They'll do what it takes. They'll give up. They'll make sacrifices to follow after Him. Is that true of your life? Do you desire Jesus that much that you'll do whatever it takes to follow after Him and go do what He says? Are you willing to do what it takes? A truth seeker is willing. 20 miles? I'll walk 20 miles to find out about that message. That was the people. They were willing to do what it takes to find Him. Are you willing to do what it takes to find Him in your life? I'm sad to say that sometimes we get so comfortable with our Christianity, we're not willing to do what it takes anymore, is it? We're not willing to do it anymore. Here's the second thing you see about Him. You see it in verse 6. Notice what they did. They didn't just travel from Jerusalem and Judea and other parts of Jordan to come hear his message. They responded to his message. I mean, his message was pretty simple. The kingdom's coming, judgment's coming, get right. That was the message of John the Baptist. So what did they do, folks? They got right. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. It was where people would acknowledge their sin. So here's the point I want you to see here. They acknowledged and confessed their true condition. That's what a true seeker is. A true seeker doesn't go around saying, I'm okay. true seeker realizes there's something wrong with my life. Something needs to change. I need to make an adjustment. Did you understand? A true seeker has a true assessment of themselves. And with that true assessment, they realize they need somebody. Who? They need Jesus. They need the Lord. See, that's what a true seeker is. A true seeker is willing to do what it takes to find Him and, and is willing to acknowledge, Lord, I need You. I'm not worthy. Isn't that what we just sang in that last song? I'm so afraid of falling back, Lord. I need You. How far is the east from the west? Why would we sing that? Because isn't that what Jesus does? He removes our sins as far as what? The east is from the west? We want to know the reality of His forgiveness. We want to know Him. See, a truth seeker is willing to acknowledge, Lord, I am messed up. I need You. I need You. That's what a truth seeker is. But the problem is, is those weren't the only ones who were coming out to find out what John was saying. Have you noticed that? That There are people who show up in church. Everybody has their own reason for coming to church, right? People come to church for different reasons. People come to church because Mama brought you or your wife brought you, or your husband brought you, or dad brought you. People come to church because the girl you're interested in is there. That happens, right? The reality, Or the guy you're interested in is there. They all have different motives. And that doesn't mean that they're truly seeking. Oh, they're seeking something. Maybe it's peace at home. Do you know what I mean? But the reality is is that people have different motivations for showing up. And there was a group of people who showed up there. When John's out there preaching and baptizing, there's a group of people who showed up. They're called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, who are they, George? Who are the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Well, folks, there are the two main groups of Jews in that time who held to a religious position. The more conservative of them were the Pharisees. The more liberal of them was the Sadducees, and they tended to be the priests of the and the and the community leaders, the national leaders were Sadducees, and they're 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 kind of coming to check things out, but they've got a different reason. And here they go, they show up, and and right off the bat, you can tell that John's a man, man, because 
being politically correct is not where he's at, right? Because look at what he says to them. Look with me, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, now this is really good, isn't it? Brood of vipers. Wow. He's really sweet, isn't he? Look at what he says here. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's recognizing something about this group, that they're not truly seeking. They're false seekers. They show up acting like they want to know information, but they really don't want to know information because they already have their minds made up. And what we're going to see here from what he says about this group, we're going to see three things about false seekers. What's that, George? Well, the first thing we see here is this. They appear to have their act together. They appear to have their act together. Look at what he says here. Look at what he says there, verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. What is he talking about, bear fruits? That is, may your life produce something that is worthy of true repentance in your life. Because their lives were producing something, but folks, it wasn't because of repentance towards God. It was probably because what was coming out of their life was more out of their selfishness and more of their hypocrisy than it really was about their repentance. See, they were the spiritual leaders of Israel. And they thought that they had their act together. Do you understand what I'm saying? They thought they had their act together. And and in some ways, they thought that everything that was going on was beneath them. You ever met somebody like that in church? You ever met folks like that in church? You know, I've been around 30 years, folks. I've seen a lot of folks like that in church. They show up. They're Mr. and Mrs. I got my act together and this is all beneath me. When the reality is, is we none of us, none of us are that good, right? None of us have our acts together. None of us ain't that perfect. We all need Christ. But these folks, they're false seekers. They think they've got their act together. They appear to have their act together. In fact, isn't that what we're going to see Jesus say later about them? That they're whitewashed sepulchers. What? They sure do look good on the outside. But on the inside, they're what? Filled with dead men's bones. So here's the thing about a false seeker. A false seeker appears to have his act together. But here's the reality. Look at verse 9. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What's going on there? See, they thought they had their act together because of something in their lives. They thought they had their act together because they were Jews. And so here's the reality. They were trusting in themselves. My, how many people I meet like that? Well, I'm okay, George, because my family's always gone to church. I'm okay, George, because look at the job I've got. Look at the status I have in the community. Look at my bank account. Look at how I'm willing to give. Look at what I'm doing. Look at all the stuff I'm doing for Jesus. Isn't that the things we say? You know, we're just going to see in a few chapters in Matthew that Jesus will say, and in that day they'll come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these great things in your name? And he'll say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. See, they're trusting in themselves. Remember, a truth seeker recognizes and acknowledges and confesses what in his life? Sin. His need for Jesus. His need for God. His need for the kingdom. But a false seeker, hey, he's got his act together. He's, he's looking to himself. He's trusting in himself that he's going to be okay. But folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if you've been baptized, I don't care if you walked an aisle, I don't care if you've been to church all of your life, 
That is not going to get you acceptance with Jesus. Do you understand? Don't trust in yourself. We have nothing to trust in ourselves, do we, folks? Do we, folks? No. Not at all. So there they were. They thought they had their acts together. They were trusting in themselves. And then John just points it out. Look at with me at verse 9. Look at what he says. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. What's he doing there? What's he saying there? What's he saying? He's making a point that God is able to raise up to Abraham children, spiritual children, literally from the stones. God will raise up to him followers. But why is he saying that? Because here's the point I want you to see. Their boasting is meaningless. Their boasting. Their assurance in themselves. And the fact that they would say, hey, I've always been in church. Or, hey, I'm from the right part of town. Or, hey, I'm, I've got the education. Or, look at my job status or whatever. All of that is meaningless to God. It means nothing. Do you realize how hilarious it's going to be in the last day when they stand before the great king, Jesus, in judgment, and they'll say, well, you know, Lord, hey, I was the guy that was a part of all of these civic organizations. Seriously? Lord, I voted the right way. Really? Our boasting is meaningless. Now, why, why is it meaningless, George? Why is it meaningless? Because you're a sinner. You and I are sinners. And that fact alone cancels any other achievement in our lives. Do you realize that? All of that, whether no matter what your heritage is, no matter what your status is, your economic status, your social status, no matter how perfect it is, how perfect a Christian you can be, none of that means anything because of one thing in your life. You will sin today. Do you understand? And a false seeker doesn't recognize his true condition. He boasts in things that he should just be quiet about, right? He should just be quiet about it. Because our boasting is meaningless. 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 That's what a false seeker is. A false seeker, you want to write down right beside the word false seeker, put somebody down that's self-deceived. You know what I mean by that? Self-deceived. Write that down. A false seeker is self-deceived. What is that? They have a sense of reality that is not true, and they're the, the center of their reality. So therefore, they don't truly understand, and they're in trouble. Because a true seeker has a sense of reality that's based on truth. And what truth is that? I am not worthy to come before God, and my only way to come before him is Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? I am not worthy to come before God, and the only way that I can come before him is Jesus. That's what reality is. Well, John sums it up now. He's going to talk, he's going to use two illustrations here to kind of bear the reality of what's going on here, and he's going to talk about it in terms of a harvest. Because the reality is, is that one day, here's the thing, you can't really tell where somebody's at. You can't, you know, you can kind of have a guess. You can say, well, I kind of can figure out who the true seekers are, and I can kind of figure out who the false seekers are. Well, maybe in some cases, but not in every case, because you don't know. Jesus tells us that, that in the church that right now there are wheats and tares. There are true believers and there are false believers. There are true seekers and there are false seekers. Do you understand? And they'll only be separated when? In the day of judgment. 
But he's going to talk about that separation. He's going to use two illustrations here to make the point. Look with me, verses 10 through 12. He's going to talk about chopping down a tree. We can relate to that, right? And he's going to talk about winnowing the wheat from the chaff. Both of these are farm things to do. Look at what he says there. Look with me, verse 10. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean his threshing floor and gather wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here's what I want you to see. Two things. Number one, and you and I need to grasp this reality, folks, because it's sometimes we, we kind of see it as an offhand thing, but it's not. <laughs> Judgment is at hand. This is what John's saying to them. John is saying to them, folks, the axe is being laid down in front of the tree. Now, it says laid to the roots. Now, what does that mean there? Well, you ever go to a work site and you got all your tools, and before you start, you kind of lay your tools out to get ready to what? Do your job, Right? That's what the wording here is. It's, it's the axe is laid down at the roots because we're ready to do what? We're ready to do some work here. Some heavy lifting and doing judgment because what? Every bad tree will be cut down. Judgment is at hand. The one who's coming, that whose, whose sandals I'm not worthy to, uh, to carry, he has a winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to clean out his threshing floor. Judgment is at hand. And you and I need to grasp that. It's, you know, sometimes here, I'll just be honest with you. We go through the hustle and bustle of our daily lives and our normal, normal routine, and we forget that, don't we? That there is a day of accountability approaching for all of us, is there not? And we forget it. And you say, well, you know, yeah, the judgment's coming in that day, George. I believe it. But folks, for you as you and I as believers, judgment comes every day. Why? Because he scourges every son he loves. He disciplines us. You're held accountable. And he's telling these folks, folks, judgment's at hand. You need to realize that. It's coming. You don't know when it's coming. Well, I know it's coming when Jesus comes. Yeah, but what if Jesus tarries? Because you don't know how long you have to live. Here's the other thing. Separation will occur. Look with me at verse 12. He will gather and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here's the reality, folks. Right now, we don't know. We're, we're mingled together. We've got the false with the true. We've got false seekers with the true seekers. Remember I told you, everyone has a different motive for why they're here today. But one day, the day of judgment is coming, and he's going to separate the two. In fact, in this gospel, he'll talk about separating the sheep from the goats. And one will enter into his rest, and the other will enter into hell, into judgment. See, this is the harvest. This is the reality of what's going on. And I think what needs to happen in our lives, folks, because we lose it so much because we just live life normally, don't think about anything beyond today, the reality is is this. Judgment is coming, folks. It is at hand, and there will be a separation. The question is, is where will you be? Where will you be? You say, okay, George, how do we take this incident from John the Baptist's life in this first part of the gospel? How do we apply it to our lives? Well, let me ask you two questions. 
And again, with the questions I give you on Sunday mornings, I just don't want you to answer them right now. I want you to think about them. I want you to take them home, and I want you to process it in your mind. I want you to go to prayer and ask yourself some hard questions. These are hard questions. Don't just give me a soft answer right now. Give yourself some time to think about it, because this is about where you're at. Here's the first one. What type of seeker are you? We're all seekers here, right? You're all here for a reason. But what type of seeker are you? Are you a true seeker? You're willing to do what it takes to find Him? And you acknowledge and confess before Him your true condition? You recognize, I need Jesus. I'm not worthy. Are you a true seeker? I'm hoping you're a true seeker. But maybe you're not a true seeker. Maybe you're a false seeker. you got your act together. You're here for a reason, but it's not for that reason. You're here for other reasons. And you got your act together. You're deceiving yourself. You're making a boast in something. I'm okay. I'm okay with God because of this. What type of seeker are you? Are you truly seeking after Him? Now let me just stop for a moment. For some of you, there was a time when you were truly seeking after Him. But something happened. Something got in the way. You got distracted by something. Maybe you didn't, maybe you're angry at God because He didn't do something you wanted Him to do. Maybe you were distracted by your job or by, by, by all of a sudden something else happening or whatever. I mean, that's something for you to process. Maybe you weren't seeking after Him at one point, but that changed. There's still hope. You can still seek Him. But you've got to make that decision. So what type of seeker are you? Here's the second thing. Do you recognize that judgment is at hand? You know, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, you know, as, as, I'm, as I'm traveling and as I'm going along and, and living my life and, and uh, functioning in my family and functioning here at the church as pastor, you know, you can get yourself into a routine where the consciousness of the fact that I am accountable and that I will have to answer to God leaves you. Do you know what I mean? Because we don't live with the, with the reality that I'm accountable to God and that I have to give an answer every day. Is that not true? But here's the reality, folks. You and I need to be there. Do you recognize that judgment is at hand? You are accountable. You say, well, George, I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved from hell. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that our works will be judged. And that some will have everything burned up, but yet they'll have their salvation. We're still going to be accountable, folks. You're not accountable to whether or not you're going to hell, but you're accountable as far as what your rewards will be in heaven. Judgment is at hand. So what do we do with this, George? Well, here, here's our action point. Here's what we need to do. Here's what I want you to think about and pray about this, this, this week. Here's what I want. If, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if you want to be the person that God wants you to be, I want you to think about it in terms of this. Let this be your prayer request this week. Ask the Spirit to help you to seek Him with your whole heart. Ask Him, Lord, help me to do whatever it takes to find you. Help me to make the hard decisions in my life. To seek you with my whole heart? Are you willing to do that? My, my hope is, is that you're willing to do that. My hope is, is that you want Jesus more than anything. Is that true? Then ask Him, Lord, help me to seek you with my whole heart. Folks, He'll do that. If you're sincere. 
I can't think of anything more that he will do than, than for you to seek Jesus with your whole heart. The Holy Spirit will help you. You just got to ask him. You just have to ask him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.